two weeks ago, we had a day. It was the first day of 2023. That day began the week and began the month and began the year. And these are all ways we have indicating something that we like to call time. What is time? Why do we have it? Where did it come from? What are we doing with it? Well, let's look again to passages from Paul where he talks about what we're supposed to do with time. We're not supposed to twiddle our thumbs, folks. We're not supposed to kill time. We're not just to watch it pass by. We're supposed to do something constructive with it. We reminded, see how Sunday school helps? We talk about doing the word, not just hearing the word. What are you going to do with the word of God? What do you do with the word of God? Does it go in one ear and out the other? And what do you talk about? Well, I don't know. Some people take notes. Some people have tremendous memories. Some people just listen real hard and do what Jesus said. Let these things sink down into your ears. Hmm. So what did Paul say about time? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time. Time is worthwhile. Time is precious. Time is something you can make the best use of. Don't just wipe it away. Redeeming the time. It's got some value. You can invest in it. We talk about investing things. In what have you invested your time? person goes to school and earns a degree well, what they do that for? Just to take up space? No. To prepare themselves. They go through programs, certification. They have special classifications they want to, they, they want to accumulate what they can so that they can be more efficient. You want to learn how to do a task. You want to know how to fulfill a certain goals that you have. Redeeming the time, he says. Because the days are evil. You believe we live in bad times? Amen. Hard times? Awkward times? Challenging times? You venture beyond BTV and you see a bunch of garbage out there. I can't believe I just saw that on the TV. Oh, yeah. They squeeze it in the commercials. They put it in. There's a reason why they call it programming, folks. Somebody trying to program us. And Paul echoes that. And by the way, there are a lot of parallels between Ephesians and Colossians. So if you read something in Ephesians and then you're reading in Colossians, I think I read this before. Well, it's the same author, the Holy Spirit, the same penman, Paul. Different audience, but we have both books. We have what the Spirit gave to first the Ephesians and then to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 4 
and verse number 5. Again, we get this concept of redeeming the time. Time is valuable. Time is not to be wasted. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. If you're saved this morning, you have a responsibility. You're part of the solution. You're supposed to be the light and the salt of the earth. What are you doing? Consciously, continuously, to show forth the Lord. In the fifth of Matthew, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men. So they can see how you're a mighty fine fellow. No. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to know to deflect praise. That song you're just singing about others, it's not about me. We have bought your bowl. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. What are you consciously doing, circumspectly doing for the Lord? <clears throat> well, maybe I ought to work on that. Well, we all have room for improvement now, don't we? And so, as I said, it tells us here in this fifth verse, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Because they're unsaved people. Maybe in your family. Maybe in the workplace. Maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe in Walmart or the bank or the post office or wherever you go. You've got unsaved folk all around you. You may be the only Bible some people are going to have opportunity to read this week. Are you going to deliberately go out there Aware that people are going to wonder, what's a Christian look like? Give them an example. Don't be snarly. <coughs> we used to tell the young preachers, you want to avoid being surly or squirrely about the Lord. Grow up about some things. And be aware that it does make a difference what you say and how you say it. It does make a difference how well you do what you do to be diligent in these things. Walk in wisdom toward them that without redeeming the time. It's not in our hymnal, but I think a lot of us know a song about what happens when the role is called up yonder. It says, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. For time, it, it's like a goldfish bowl. You know, Mr. Goldfish, he swims over this side of the bowl and he looks out, blah, blah, blah. And then he swims over the other side of the bowl. He looks out, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he looks at the other goldfish, or maybe he looks at the little treasure chest, or maybe he looks at the surface, and looks at the bottom, and, and, and that's his world! That's all he knows! That's a continuum. That's a world within itself. 
God created time. God is not limited by time. It's something that he made and he put us and everything we've ever had any experience with other than the Lord himself. It's time. Time. And, and, and we don't know what it'd be to live outside of time any more than Mr. Goldfish would know what it looks like to be outside that thing. Now, if Mr. Goldfish gets silly and decides to jump out, I used to have guppies. Every once in a while, one of them would jump out of the tank. If he fell back in the tank, he was okay. If he didn't, I'd find him all dried up back behind a shelf someplace. Now that's the end of Mr. Guppy there. But that is the arena in which we exist. People read science fiction. They talk about time travel. We talk about all kinds of things that seem fantastic. But bottom line, we live in time. We live in terms of past, present, and future. I can remember when I was 22. I can remember when I was 30, 40, 50, <coughs> so on and so forth. And I can only imagine if the Lord gives me life and breath and he doesn't come back first, what things will be like when I hit 7-0. If I live to be 8-0 or even 9-0. I don't know. But I am limited to just this moment. God is omnipresence. It's always now with God. He doesn't say, well, you know, I remember back when I did such and such, and, and one of these days I'm going to... No, that's to accommodate us when such language is used. Because God is the I Am. When Moses was at the burning bush. And the Lord commissioned him to go back to Egypt. He said, Whom shall I say? And the Lord said, I am that I am. You see, he is the ever-existing one. He is right here, right now. Ten minutes from now, that'll still be true. No matter who has been born, or who has passed from this world, God is the constant. Because God is not in time. He's not in this goldfish bowl. It's something that he made. And we dwell in time. And we're supposed to do something about that. We can't escape time. It won't do Mr. Goldfish any good to get out of the bowl. And uh, so we, we might wonder about some of these things, but he is the ancient of days. He is the one whom Isaiah says inhabits eternity. Can you appreciate that? So time is something had a definite beginning. I wonder when that was. You don't have to read far in the Bible to find out. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, was there anything before God created? Absolutely. There was God. God created time. God created space. God created matter. God created energy. 
By the way, he didn't have to wait for the UPS man to bring him his package for a do-it-yourself, make time. No. He spoke it into existence. You and I can say, let's pretend. A couple of little kids on the playground, they say, Let, let's, let's play. Now, this will be you, and this will be me, and let's plan this, and, and we'll, we'll draw this little diagram here in the sand or whatever. That's pretend. That's trying to create a thing from our mind. But when God thinks a thing, all he is obliged to do is to speak, and it is so. I can't say, turn into milk, and it won't happen, because it's still water. Just water. I'm glad it's water. I need the water. But I can't talk a thing into changing. You can't either. That's why supposedly when people talk about magic, you speak a spell and you can turn a thing. No. Only God has the power to speak a thing into existence. Only God has the power to change a thing from darkness to light, from death to life. So, time had a definite beginning. We've talked about that already. And time is something that goes on in a succession. Whether you count it in seconds, hours, months, seasons, decades, however you want to count it. Many who lived on this continent before Europeans arrived used to say so many moons ago, so many summers ago, but we recognize that things don't stay the same. But as things go on, we see folks born, and they live, and they die. And time had a beginning. Time is going on right now. I don't know how long time will continue. It could go on for, as we count time, years and years and years. Or it could end before noon today. It could happen. That's up to the Lord. That's His business. But while we're here, God does this. And God sets appointments in Galatians chapter 4. So he said, why didn't Jesus come in the days of Samson? Why didn't Jesus come in the days of Alexander the Great? Why didn't Jesus come at such and such a time? Well, there was an appointed time. This, this calendar that he has made, this great goldfish bowl in which he has placed us, God has ordered and arranged and established things so that they happen according to a rhyme and a reason, if you will. There's no foolishness with God. There is order. There was not nonsense or chaos. And so in Galatians chapter 4, Paul's teaching us something about what it is to be an heir of God. And so, and in line of that, he's talking about the fact that we used to be children, and we had our experiences. But look at verse 4 of Galatians 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, 
Jesus didn't come in the days of Abraham. Not in the physical sense. He didn't come in the days of Moses and Joshua. Of Samuel. Or any of the other judges. He didn't come in the days of Micah or Malachi. He came at exactly the right time. In exactly the right place. In exactly the way that God had spoken. He spoke prophetically and it came to pass because he is the one who declares the end from the beginning. See, God's not sitting around, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. We might wonder that. Others wonder that. God is never wondering what's going on. He knows everything that has been. He knows everything going on right now. And he knows everything that will yet happen. We have to think in terms of past, present, and future. God doesn't. His mind is infinite. His power, His presence are infinite. And we need to appreciate that. And so what He does is in not only according to the fullness of time, but as it says in Scripture, in due time. Right when it ought to be. That's how God works. Now a good writer, when they write a story, they realize oh, we've got a problem, but they, they want to take it to the end and then have a finale. Wow, it all comes to conclusion. All the trains come into the yard, so to speak. Everything works out and they all live happily ever after, whatever. Well, that's because a good writer knows that we like to follow a story. We like to see it come to an end. We like to see some sort of a resolution. When God saved your soul, I want you to know, He did it when He determined it should happen. I know a lot of people, well, we might think that way, but look at Romans 5 and verse number 6. <coughs> when we were yet without strength. You see, the sinner isn't just kind of sort of weak, but has enough power to pull this off on his own. No, without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Lord didn't wait for you to get ready before He came and gave His life. When He paid the price, when He served as the great sacrifice, the great substitute, you had no power. You had no presence. You had no pull. There's the three Ps right there. With God! And so, it's only Jesus who can. And it's only Jesus who does save. That's why he's called Jesus. A name that means the Deliverer. He shall save his people from their sins. And therein we can rejoice. Now, if you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, we're reminded, especially the third chapter, you know, there's a time for this, and a time for that. But... It says, for every purpose under the heaven. There's a time when the young man, the young woman, they've passed from childhood and they, 
They merit. And our family begins. And God is pleased to bless with children. And we see those children come up. We were, we were reminded, talking to somebody in Memphis, that uh, folks that we knew as, as little kiddos, they're now grown, and their kids are graduating from high school and college. And you, that kind of makes you appreciate your, your, your number of years and all that sort of thing. But it goes on and on and on. And God is the one who makes it clear to us. There are these purposes. There are these understandings. Go with me please to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 6. You think we're supposed to brag and boast in the presence of God? And well, you're wrong if you think that. I'm wrong if I think that. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, like that song we sang. I didn't know that song before we came here, but that song about others. That's why God put us in this world. So we could be that light and that salt. So that we could be an encouragement. Yes, it's true that we have that vertical relationship, but we also have a horizontal. If you really love God, show it to others. Enjoy it with others. Experience it with others. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? I'm glad you asked. You don't have to go far to find the answer. That he may exalt you. <laughs> I'm going to be exalted. <laughs> it's a coming. When? In due time. When God says you're ready. When God says you can handle it. I had some challenges in my 30s that I couldn't handle in my 20s. And God knew that. That's why I didn't get them in my 20s. And the same with my 40s and this 50s and well, most of my 60s have passed now, but uh, if I live into my 70s, uh, any challenges, I probably wouldn't have been able to deal with those because we can only take the day by day. Give us day by day our daily bread. Yeah. Scripture tells us. There's a reason for that. You know what happened if God told you as soon as you had a mind to appreciate it, now, this is what you're going to have. You're going to break some bones. You're going to have a broken heart. You're going to have. You're going to get fired on a job somewhere. You're going to have all kinds of frustrations, all kinds of grief. You probably want to crawl on a rock someplace. But God gives those things as we can handle. Because, honestly, I couldn't handle it if all the stuff. If somebody had told me, I started preaching when I was 16, and somebody told me the joys I would have, I'd probably say, I, I can't believe it's going to be that wonderful. It has been wonderful. But if also people had told me about the griefs that I would have, I'd have probably said, well, I, I don't want that. But folks, life has challenges. Life has joy. And life has 
Things that you don't know what to make of them. And then down the road, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe lots of years later, God gives you the awareness. That's why it's best sometimes for the young to speak less because as they get older, of course, as they get older, they realize, you know, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. And I like to hear the wisdom I can get from the older. We had a young preacher who graduated from the college and uh, he was back on those days because we had Tuesdays and Thursdays we had what they called MA Ministers Association and so we had a special time set out for just the preachers to get together and usually they bring in somebody who had been in the trenches for 20, 30 or more years well it so happened that the fellow that was scheduled to be there he was providentially hindered. And so the dear brother who was in charge of that, he found this fellow who had just graduated just a few months before, and uh, he was visiting, this young fellow was visiting. He said, how would you like to speak to the MAs? Oh, sure. He got to let me tell you fellows how it works. <laughs> You'd think he'd been in the bastard for 30 years. But uh, I wonder if he'd say some of the same things and maybe say them the same way. Because experience is a very good teacher. It, the, the education you get is priceless. But I want you to know that the tuition is pretty high. And so when we look into the Word, we're reminded of this. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If you try to push yourself, you're going to look bad. You're going to want to stick your head in and say, I should have kept my mouth shut. I should have listened more and spoke less. There's a lot of wisdom in that. I've been in situations I know some people say you always have something to say, but I've been in situations where I'm, if I say something, I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth. I'm going to make the situation worse. And so I'm in, on the inside, I'm praying, Lord, help me to keep my mouth shut if I need to, and I think I do. Sometimes we just need to be aware of the times in which we find ourselves. Let's go to Psalm 102. Time has a beginning. Time has a continuum. A present time, if you will. Time has an end. You know, when you talk to the heathen and they talk about evolution, they say, well, you know, uh, we've been around for billions and billions of years. And when you ask them, well, how did this happen? Well, Give it enough time, anything could happen. And you ask them, what was the first cause? That uncaused cause you talk about. Well, some will say, matter is eternal. It's always been. It always will be. Well, that's not true. God is eternal. Matter was created by God. It had a definite beginning. We're 
among it right now. There's a time coming. There'll be a new heaven and new earth. That means the things with which we might become very familiar in this world ain't going to be there, folks. As I said, Psalm 102. Look at me, please. Verses 25 and 26. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. We have a solid foundation because God made it that way. When? In the beginning. Well, what's going to happen at the end? Again, I'm glad you asked. And the heavens are the work of thy hands. Look how creative God is. Look at that amazing display. On a clear night, you can see things that are so, so far away. If you got a rocket ship made by man today, and you pointed that rocket ship, and you took off, you would live to get to some of those things. They say, you know how close the closest star is to the earth? Anybody? Actually, it's the sun. But even the sun, we forget the sun is a star. But that's still 93 million miles. I'll bet you haven't driven that far in your lifetime. It might seem like it. Get lost on some country road someplace, but 93 million miles. That's just to get to our sun. The next star traveling at the speed of light would take over four years. And I don't think you have a way to get to travel at the speed of light. So it would take you a while, now wouldn't it? What's it say in the scripture? What does man have to say to God about what he has created? From old you made this stuff. It's amazing. It boggles my mind. They shall perish. You look up in the night sky. Oh look, there's such and such a star. And there's the moon and the planets that orbit the sun. That's amazing. Someday they won't be there. Someday this very earth on which we stand will not be. It'll be a new heaven. It'll be a new earth. Everything we've been used to in this huge goldfish bowl going to be gone. Going to be replaced. Not just a slight upgrade. God's not just going to polish it up a little bit. He's going to replace it. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. God isn't going to evolve into a higher version of himself. God is already perfect. Amen. He always has been. He is right now. Lawrence Crawford was teaching a class once, and he says, did God ever learn anything? And one of the young ladies said, yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was rather intimidating from time to time. If he said a thing, these people who say such and such. Well, but the point is, God never learned 
learned a thing. Because he's always known. He knows what you're thinking right now. Now sometimes people show their hand. I had a young lady named June. She's sitting there in class. And I'm lecturing about something in the Middle Ages or something. Something in history class. And she just worked up. I thought, wow. I finally get to this young lady. And uh, she didn't have a filter. And she said, I just realized something. If my dad died, I'd get his truck. <coughs> we knew what she was thinking about. I don't know what you're thinking about right now, but I'm thinking about God's Word. I'm thinking about the fact that God is going to take all this world away. Don't get too comfy! I'm happy we have soft seats. I'm thankful we have this building. I'm thankful that we have... I'm even thankful for modern medicine, even though sometimes... I uh, have some interesting experiences, and probably you have too. But uh, considering the alternative, I'm, I'm glad for that. But what we know, what we experience, where we live in this goldfish bowl, God's not just going to change the water. He's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. The other day I looked at a picture Marcia took of me years ago. And I said, oh, that shirt. I like that shirt. Oh, I got rid of that thing. Turned it into rags. Threw it out. Oh, thanks a lot. But you know, we wear out our clothes. We wear out things in this world. Because they wear out. They wind down. They become obsolete. They just fall apart. This world is going to fall apart. All of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them. They shall be changed. Well, let's go ahead and read the next verse. But thou art the same. Now, there are some religious groups that think that God is growing because he has to worm some stuff. He's got to get a little bit stronger. He's got to build up his muscles, you know, like old Popeye or whatever. No. God's no wiser than he was from the beginning. He won't be any wiser in the eons to come because he's already known everything. He knows everything about you. Everything you've ever said, felt, or done, everywhere you've been. He knows where you could have gone, what you could have said, what you could have done. And he knows what you should have done. Mm. He knows about this moment just now. Time is fleeting. And you might not like it, but it's not like the fellow in the cartoon that's watching an elevator and the doors close and goes up and he sees the hand. Well, I'll just jump up there and grab the hand and pull it down. That won't bring the elevator down. That might break the little handle up there, the little arrow pointing, but that doesn't matter. It's the same thing with time. You can play games in your head. You can come up with a story. You can do all kinds of things, but that doesn't change the fact 
We're still stuck in the goldfish bowl, folks. What are we going to do? We need to redeem the time. Because time has a definite ending. And the Lord willing, I want to continue this next week. But for now, let's stand for a word.